Hello and welcome to the Back Check, the Hockey History Podcast, where we revisit the cases for uh, inducted Hall of Fame players and talk about players who are eligible for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley, and over there is Bill. Hey, Riley, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And possibly also joining us is my dog Merrick, who I can hear whining really loudly behind me. So I, I don't know if you can hear him. That if there's if there's howling going on, that is my dog. Who has decided to participate? He usually doesn't participate, but today he's participating. Um, today is a. Uh, I was I was thinking of calling it when I posted later. I was thinking of calling it the Pennsylvania Connection. It sounds yeah. because we have two players who played for the Flyers at exactly the same time. In fact, and then because I don't think the Philadelphia Quakers existed until maybe the thirties, we have an old timer, but an old timer who played for the pirates instead uh, so pittsburgh so not quite philadelphia but um we're still we're still talking about old timers who were born in the 19th century and uh, i'm not sure any of them actually made it to the quakers so uh this guy mickey mckay uh played for the pirates so we're talking today about our eligible player is tim kerr our inducted player is mark howe um like i said their career overlapped a little bit um, in the 80s, and then our uh, old-timer is Mickey McKay. So first off, we have Tim Kerr, um, who uh, played for 13 seasons between 1980 and 1993, uh, seven of which we would deem quality, and you might say, why the hell are you talking about Tim Kerr? <laughs> and that is because he is somehow 10th all-time in goals per game in the history of the NHL. Yeah. Didn't play for very long, but he scored a heck of a lot of goals. He did. 370 goals in only 655 games, which is a lot. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, barely, did barely played, essentially. I mean, 655 games in 13 years is, is, uh, is not, all, it's not a lot of games. Um, but uh, he was... Uh, an elite goal scorer, and if memory serves, though I, I always forget to write down penalty minutes because I reject them as a counting stat, he was also um, a bit of a tough guy, right? Well, if, if you're going to play for the Flyers, I think like it's an automatic like 20% boost in your penalty minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> a player you are. Um, you know, if you'd have, if, you don't, if you'd be like a Lady Bing candidate with only 10 minutes a year, you play for the Flyers, probably goes up to 20 just from being on the Flyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. I Actually, I don't. he was never in the top 10 in, in, in penalty minutes, but he did have at least one season over 100. Yeah. Um, you know, typical. And, you know, what the, um, the Flyers have sort of embraced that ideology through their entire history since yeah. uh, that. So, you know, you, you play for the Flyers, you're bound to be in a few scraps, especially – those days, maybe not more. Yeah. Um, although I suspect, you know, uh, once we get the Flyers back in the playoffs, that'll probably <laughs> become a thing again. But. Yeah. So uh, Kerr was not drafted, um, and so we don't have a draft to talk about. Uh, but we do have, as as we've done in the past with undrafted players, we talk about how they compare to other undrafted players. But because Kerr played so little. Um. It's sort of a huge group of players. Hundreds of players have been undrafted and played at least 500 games. However, to give you some perspective, Kerr is uh, third in goals per game among them and 10th in points per game. 
while being like ridiculously low in other categories, like 45th in point shares, 57th in assists, things like that. So he was a goal scorer, yeah, not a passer. But 13 goals per game, that would be um, behind Gretzky and uh, maybe, I don't know who would be the other person would be behind. Um, hey, Gretzky would be number one, and then number two, I don't know who number two would be off the top of my head. Um, and I don't remember if I cut it off or just when I did the cutoff. But anyway, he's third in goals per game of all the undrafted players ever. So that's pretty good. He should be, given that he's 10th all time. Yeah. You'd think he would be. Um, and then, again, with his era, he's also uh, in a weird position where if you look at his counting stats, he's terrible, like 97th in assists for his era, <laughs> you know, which is, does not sound great. But he's eighth in goals per game, uh, which is, which points out that his stats are skewed, right? Because he's he's tenth all time in, in goals per game, but he's he's eighth all time in his era. <coughs> yeah, so I, I think it sort of just shows the type of player that Kerr was. You don't want to say he was one completely one dimensional, but he clearly had a bread and butter. Yeah, and that was being in front of the net and scoring goals, and especially power play goals. Yeah. Um, that was like that's where he made his money. That's where he, you know, got all of his points was in down and around the crease and on the power play, especially. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, he. Uh, I mean, you, the numbers bear that out, and um, it's 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 one of those things where, like, I remember the first time I heard about Tim Kerr because I I did not, you know, I I was watching hockey at the very end of his career. And I don't even remember what team he was on at that point. Um, oh, Hartford. Um, but, like, I mean, I would have been oblivious to a guy who was barely playing on on the Whalers. You know, there's no way I would have been aware of him. Um, but when I first looked him up uh, years and years ago, just looking at, like, leaderboards, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And, you know, I got all excited because I discovered this player I'd never heard of and stuff. And, <laughs> but, like, when you look at his, like, all-around like his numbers, it's absolutely right. Like he is, he's basically just like, you know, he's a power forward who scores goals and doesn't appear to do much else, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but he does have like, he does have impressive raw numbers. I mean, his 82 game average is over a point per game. His three-year peak is 101 points per 82 games. Now I should note, he never played a full season in his entire career. So those numbers, he came close a couple times, but yeah. he never played. He never played a full season. I um, started following hockey the last <clears throat> few years of his career, um, but from you know from what I would from where he made his living, what the NHL was like back then, he was probably hurt all the time because he was taking a vicious beating in front well, of the he, getting hit with shots. I mean, um, he was hurt all the time for sure. So I mean, like, you got to figure it was his style of play, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he. he he what seven four seasons where he made it into seventy games, okay. Out of out of thirteen years, like Man. that is not a lot. Of, you know, he was not hurt. Less than that, like he never played more than that. He, most he ever played was seventy nine. Wow. Like I said, he came close one year, one year seventy in ninety three points in seventy nine games in that one year, and uh, he just never. I mean, the next sorry, I'm just trying to get. I had to refresh the his stats page because the the table wasn't resorting itself. 
So 79, 76, 75, and 74 are his, his, his seasons where he played the most. And then there's three seasons at 60, and after that it's 40 and less. So seven, like I said, seven quality. The seven quality isn't based on points per game. It's based on the fact that I generally do not count less than half a season played as a quality season when I'm I'm totaling those up. And he only played over half a season seven times out of thirteen. Man, that's like, a, it's a really tough way to make a living, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he really didn't play a lot, um, and it's you know, I mean. That that's uh and and you know I think we're both on the same page with like you shouldn't penalize people for being hurt. It's not not their fault. It's, it's not their fault. Um. Anyway, uh, so playoffs, his numbers drop in the playoffs a little bit. Seventy-one points in eighty-one games, but we'll uh we'll get to his his play his successful playoff teams later. He was actually a pretty good playoff performer at times, despite that, and I wouldn't be surprised to learn that the years he had bad playoff runs where he didn't score, he was probably hurt and just playing through it. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it's like we talked about with McGilney and we're, we were wondering if McGilney was hurt when he was shitty, Yeah, you know, playing through injury. Cause there's things like Tim Kerr had years where he like, he scored 25 points in 19 games in the playoffs and other years where he scored, you know, uh, like zero points in three games or four points in 10 games and you want one point in eight games. And you wonder like, was he hurt? You know, cause other years he had, or did he just have way better line mates in those other, you know, who knows um, without watching, having, without having seen him. Yeah. So the big, uh, the big asterisks in all of this is adjusting for era. When you adjust, uh, when you do hockey references adjustment for era for Tim Kerr, his 82-game average drops from 84 to 68 points. Oh, boy. Which is as, almost as bad as it gets. I, I've So I've done the calculations because I'm crazy. I did the calculations for a, an absolute ton of players over the years. And the worst I think I've ever seen is 20 points for 82-game season. And that was like Mike Bossy or somebody like that. Um, someone really famous. Uh, so, But this is this is 16 points off his 82-game average, which is an absolute ton. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I mean, that's not a perfect, it's just a, it's just a guess, right? Like you can't, when you adjust for error, you're not adjusting for anything, but it's just, a, uh, it's just an equation. It's not adjusting for, uh, changes in, um, you know, quality of equipment or changes in fitness or health or anything like that. It's just an adjustment for scoring rates. But it still makes him look a lot less impressive than tenth all time in goals per game, right? Yeah, like sixty-eight is really different from eighty-four. It really is. Yeah, it's a huge difference. I mean, it's <clears throat> to go from a point a game player to you know a th- three quarters of a game player yeah. is a huge yeah. difference. Yeah, and and like just just to reinforce that, forty-six goals per 82 games, unadjusted, adjusted, it's 37. So he loses nine goals. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's a lot. I mean, there's tons of, there, there are not a ton of people who average 46 goals a season who are not in the Hall of Fame. If there are any who aren't in the Hall of Fame, there are a bunch of guys who average 37 goals a season who are not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, it's a 
anyway, it's just you know, it's imperfect, but it's 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 worth noting because it it helps explain maybe why he's not in. Um, but we have trades to talk about. Uh, they are not very exciting trades, but it's still <laughs> trades, um, which is one of our favorite parts. I feel like. Um, so the first one, the first one was he was traded. So he was on Philly for his prime. You know, he played, and I think probably Philly saw the writing on the wall because he was hurt all the time. His last season for Philly, he played forty games. Um, so they traded him for uh, Brian Mullen, straight up. Brian Mullen was slightly younger than him, but it should be noted, nowhere near as good as Tim Kerr was at his peak. I mean, Brian Mullen's best year was 32 goals. You know, this was not Tim yeah. Kerr. But, I mean, I think the Flyers are trying to cut their losses a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. They don't. He doesn't seem to have ever played for the Flyers. Um, oh no, I got confused here. What happened here? Why skip a trade? Hold on a second. Sorry. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This was. This makes more sense. He was traded to the Rangers by San Jose for Brian Mullen. That's why Brian Mullen never played for the Flyers, because it's worse. The Flyers exposed Kerr in the expansion draft. Aha. Uh -huh. So my apologies. I missed that sentence. Um, so yeah, he was so he was so beaten up by that point in his career. He was only 31 that the Flyers were just like when they when the Sharks were having the expansion draft, they were just like, nope, we're not protecting him. And the Sharks took him. And the Sharks never played him and instead traded him for Brian Mullen. Interesting. Though it could also be that they actually didn't have a chance to play him because he might have been hurt. That's true. Oh, no, no. It was the same day. Same day. So he's, so he's claimed in the draft and then, and then traded for Brian Mullen. Hmm. Same day. I should really read these things over before I say <laughs> this is the truth. Well, it's another interesting point since we're talking about the trade and then up you know with uh, with the sharks as a go-between um that he ended up you know going from the flyers to the hartford whalers um and his career started in 1980 so he would have been one of the few players who uh who had worn those awesome cooperalls um i think actually the flyers ended up wearing the ccm version of those you remember the hockey pants that teams used yeah. to wear? yeah yeah uh, I think they were called the CCM prop act, were the actual ones that they used, but everyone okay. it was the more popular one. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he went from, from one team that wore them to another team that wore them. <laughs> <laughs> the Flyers wore them in 81, 82 and the Hartford Whalers wore, and both the Flyers and the Hartford Whalers wore them in the 82, 83 season. So he went oh. from, he got traded from the one team that, uh, from the, fir the first team to use them to the only other team to use them. And I guess funny. NHL for like two years, many complaints about them being too warm and goalies couldn't pick up the puck because they're black. And... Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I had no idea. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting. Um, it's it's, it's funny too to think about how much like stuff like that could impact play, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just just interesting that his career happened. To, I don't I don't think we'll ever have another chance to mention them again, unless yeah. of course Mark Howe also played for the Flyers during that time. In which case we will get to mention them again. Well, he played for the Flyers and the Whalers as well. So, there you go. 
just at different times. Yeah. So exactly. how was on the Whalers before the Flyers, whereas Kerr was on the Whalers after the Flyers. Uh-huh. But I bet you they both wore Cooperals or CCM prop app. Probably. Um, so and, and and Kerr ended up on the Whalers because the Rangers traded him uh, to the Whalers for this is you gotta you gotta think every every player in every sport this has ever happened to feels really bad about this. He was <laughs> traded for future considerations. Oh boy! So when that happens, you're like, oh god, and that's because he managed to play uh, 32 games for the Rangers in a season and scored 18 points. So his career was basically over at this point, and sure enough, he retired uh, after playing, I believe, seven games? Eight games for the... No, sorry, 22. 22? 22 games for the uh, the Whalers. So 32 games for the Rangers, and then 22 for the Whalers, and had he been traded again, 12 for some other team, probably. Terrible joke. Um, so, yeah, he was hurt a lot. And his when he fell off a cliff, he fell off a cliff, and it was no longer useful, and he couldn't. He just was not uh, able to play enough to be valuable. You know, he was thirty three when he retired. Um, however, he has done some things. He's got a lot of for a guy who played uh, six hundred fifty five games. He's actually got a bunch of accomplishments. Uh, so uh, he won the Masterton. Um, which is the uh, the uh, you know comeback player of the year for back of, lack of a better word right the the guy who's recovered from an injury yeah it's, it's um, the pers- perseverance and dedication to hockey yeah, but yeah. It, like, nine times out of ten goes to a guy who was horribly injured and came back yeah yeah um, he was a top ten player in a seven um, he was a top offensive player sometimes. He's uh, one of only 15 players to ever score 55 goals twice. And when he retired, he was only um, one of 12 players. And he scored 50 goals four times. And again, one of only 12 players at his retirement. Now it's up to 14. Um, But, you know, he was, when he was playing, he was an elite goal scorer. Yep. Um, And, you know, he was top five in, in, in goals three times, top five in goals per game four times. He was top 10 points per game once. And points once, so you know he was he he had a good peak. He never led the league in goals because it was the eighties, and someone was probably scoring sixty in the years he scored fifty five. Um, what years were those where they scored fifty five? Just let me check. Uh, so he scored uh, fifty eight twice, two years in a row in eighty six and eighty seven. Um, so those years, so only a couple shy of sixty. And had he, you know, we we love our big round numbers. So had he scored sixty, would be like, ooh, you know. Scored yeah. 60 goals twice, and he might even be in the hall. He'd just been healthy for another game or two and score. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, who who led the league those years that he scored 58. I'm just going to – so one year he was third and the other year he was second. So the year he was second was 87, which is, I guess, his best – year proportion of the rest of the league. So Gretzky had 62. So only two, only four more than Tim Curtis. Wow. That year. Um, and, uh, and the other year, which was 86 when he was third, um, who, who was it? Probably Gretzky again. And Curry would be my guess. My guess is Curry and Gretzky. Yeah. Curry had 68. So 10 more. Uh, I just clicked on the wrong thing and I lost the page. It's terrible. 
Let's just assume Gretzky. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's safe to assume Gretzky. It's it's. If it wasn't Gretzky. Yeah, well, yeah, it's one of the one of those two guys, right? Like, for sure. Yeah, a good call on the bossy. Yeah. Uh, so sixty-eight Curry, sixty-one bossy, fifty-eight Kerr, fifty-four Glenn Anderson, and Gretzky's actually down there at fifty-two at number five. My God, only fifty-two goals. Yeah. And they call him the one. Yeah, get him out of the Hall of Fame. Um. Anyway, so you know, <laughs> when he was healthy or healthier. In his prime, he was one of the best goal scorers in the league for a couple of years, for you know three or four years, um, which is often good enough to get you in the Hall of Fame. Um, however, unlike most of the other players who did that, he did not play for. Him. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, yeah, he had a few. You know, uh, second. He only made second team All Star once, but he still made a second team, uh, which is better than some guys. And he had three All Star game appearances. Nothing particularly special. Um, however, there's the important thing to mention of his uh, teams, which were he was of course on the Flyers of the '80s, who were some people have argued the best uh, team over a span of a few years, never to win a Stanley Cup. They yeah, they came. Other- they came close to two separate seasons, um, 87, um, actually, sorry, six, three times in six years, right? You're three times in four years, uh, 85, 87, and 89, I think. 89, they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Canadians. Oh, okay. That makes way more sense. Um, why does that say runner up, Riley? That should say Final Four. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, that I do remember because I was watching a lot of hockey by then. So. You know, you're absolutely right. So yeah, sorry, I was confused. It was 85 and 87, um, but they were they were considered you know one of the best teams of the era, and they did not win a cup. And when people talk about best teams to not win a cup, the mid 80s Flyers are regularly mentioned. Um, they were notable for being, you know, if you if you were to go onto Hockey Reference and look up the best plus minus players all time. Uh, a bunch of them would have been on the '80s Flyers. Like it's oh, basically yeah. the, like early '70s Bruins, the the late '70s Habs, and the mid '80s Flyers are like the people who dominate the plus minus. Yeah, um, like but, Brad McCrimmon, who we talked about. Yeah, well, it's it's unfortunate for them that they when they became very good was you know the the Islanders had passed the torch to uh, to uh, the 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 uh, the Edmonton Oilers and. Yeah. Time that the Oilers didn't come through, it was the Flames coming through, and the Flames were another one of those teams that, like, if it wasn't for the Oilers and they had been during a different era, we're probably talking like a little mini dynasty, you yeah. know, at, le- at least another couple of cup wins, you would think. Um, yeah. But you know, I- I'd say there were four or five really good teams in that era, and they all sort of got you know pinched off by the Oilers, usually being that team that they couldn't beat. And yeah, so absolutely. Like, absolutely. Teams like Boston with. Uh, with uh, <clears throat> Neely and Bork, yeah, you get the well, Boston uh, peaked a little bit later than the a little Flyers. bit. The Oilers were still hanging on, so mm-hmm. just the, the mm-hmm. other Oilers, but Flyers lost to them. Um, and then uh, the fl- the Flames and the Canadians just seemed to like <laughs> what though that one year the Oilers wouldn't get through, then that was the year that the Canadians would be good enough to get the Flyers out of there, but they never ended up playing against the Flames. But like yeah. the Flyers consistently. I would say probably the team to beat in the East, but yeah. just couldn't, couldn't get past, uh, you know, on just couldn't get past Edmonton when they did make it, and they ended yeah. up running abs on the years where they were on their sort of magical runs. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. So this relates to Kerr in that um, the year they lost to the Habs in the conference finals in 89, he was the best forward on the team. Um, and uh, that's by points because we don't have ice time. Um, scoring uh, 25 points in 19 games. Um, in the two years he made the final, he had the best uh, points per game on his team. Um, but like, and both of those, in both in 87 and 85, but in it, as, as befits his career, um, he was hurt and missed a whole bunch of games on both of those. And you wonder, had he been healthy, would they have won at least one of those series because he was their leading goal scorer generally, you know, those years, right? They had, yeah. it was him in prop, right? Like, I don't yeah. even know who the center was because it was those for the star players were Kerr and prop. Yeah. Prop. We have somehow man, haven't managed to talk about prop yet, but we will talk about him at yes, some we, point in the future. Well, um, we're talking so Dave, Dave Poulin was the, was their center uh, in, in 85. Um, Sorry, you were going to say something about prop? Yeah, well, just the the uh, since we were talking about the '89 Flyers and um, talking about those those great Flyers teams, <clears throat> um, I think we may have mentioned this once before, but Brian Prop is the one who got, uh, um, I believe it was him, or maybe it was Dave Poulain. Was Dave Poulain the captain then? It might have been. I, I, I honestly wouldn't know. I think it was Brian Prop. He got knocked out in uh, Game One by Chris Chelios with a big flying elbow. And then at the end okay. of the series, right before um, the Canadians went to the Stanley Cup final, when the Habs were very clearly going to win game six, Hextall came out and attacked Chelios. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's throwing the blocker at him and everything. Yeah. Well, that yeah. shot in game one, and they hadn't gotten Chelios back for it yet. And so Hextall lost his mind. <laughs> um, but I, like bringing that up, when I heard Brian Propp's name too, it's like, I, like if we're talking about how great these. It uh, was Poulin, by the way, Poulin. It was Poulain, okay. Um, but like, like seeing how, like, inc like incredible those teams were, and they never won a cup. Hextall was such a massive part of that. He was such a good yeah. goalie. Yeah. Oh, he even won a he even won a wife for not winning. Absolutely. Um, which I mean is another story. When we finally get to goalies, we can talk about that. But yeah, basically, uh, the reason I bring it up is that had Kerr been healthy. We can assume he might have been the best forward on both of those teams. He might not have been prop. Prop is because he was healthy. Yeah. Um, but the fact is that Kerr was a vital part of those teams when he was not hurt. So, I mean, I, I, I'm I just, I have no idea. Because to me, not having the guy who's 10th all time on the goals for game leaderboard, not, having him not in the hall make, is insane to me. On the other hand, I think you can make a very strong case that Kerr was a one-dimensional player, and that era adjustment is awful. Pretty bad for him, yeah. Like it, it reduces your ability to make a case for him. I think. Yeah, absolutely. You all like literally. I feel like if I were to go onto the Hockey's Future boards, uh, hockey like Hockey's Future has a hockey history board. If I were to go on right now and be like Tim Kerr Hall of Fame, everyone would come back at me and be like, "Man." He only has that because he played in the eighties, and I'd be like, "Yeah, you're kind of. How can I argue with that? That's that's correct, you know." And but he was, you know, he was one of the two best forwards or best forward on on a very very good team. Um, that almost won two cups. Yeah, and 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 he like his 
his his numbers are so unimpressive because he just he his style play was just he just got hurt all the time. Mm. And I don't know. I mean, I used to be very firmly in the Tim Kerr belongs in the Hall of Fame uh, camp when I first discovered him. Like I said it earlier when we were talking about this. I just like when I first found out about him, I was like, who is this guy? I started reading about him and stuff. I was like, oh, this guy should totally be in the Hall of Fame. But I just I'm now I'm just on the fence. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about him. Well, the, the, the thing that worries me about putting in Kerr is that if we put in Kerr, then are we starting to talk about putting in Holmstrom, who was another guy who made his living scoring goals around the crease, sort of did it in a way that nobody else did. Like he was just so darn good at it. But I think Kerr's numbers are a lot better than Holmstrom. Yeah, and here's the thing about that is that like you can say Holmstrom, Holmstrom was really influential in what he did and he Absolutely. was important on very good teams. He and never... Yeah. scored at the rate that Kerr did ever, you know, nowhere near it. Yeah. That would be the, that would be the like anti-slippery slope argument. Like you're not opening the door to like Holmstrom and Ryan Smith and people like that, because fact is no, those guys never produced at the rate that Kerr did. Yes. But, but just for era, then maybe they actually did though. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I haven't looked at either of their era adjusted goals per game. Um, I doubt they're anywhere near. Um, 40, but they're probably closer to 37 like his is, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So, um, oh, and I just looked it up. It was Brian Prop that got knocked out by Chelios. Oh, okay. Well, I just I, – oh, when I said Dave Poulin, I was that was who the captain was. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, uh, I'm super on the fence about Tinker. I don't – I mean, I – like you've often said, I'm willing to entertain the case if someone wanted to make the case. But I'm very. I'm leaning. The more and more I look at his resume, the more I'm like, I don't think we can. Yeah, it's just. I just. I feel like he was clearly a very talented goal scorer, but I I just don't know that he was. You know what? Maybe it's one of those things where had we seen him play, we'd be like he was a lot better than his stats show, and you played a sort of like he passed the eye test and scored so many big goals, elevated his game in the playoffs, but just he lived in front of the net and he was just getting his ankles chopped and he could, you know, he could never stay in the People beating the crap out of him. I, yeah. I might, if I talked to somebody who was a big Flyers fan during that era, I might be more inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt and let him in. Yeah. Just he, he clearly showed to be one of the best goal scorers for that era when healthy. Yeah. And I hate to punish guys for just, you know, the, the injuries, but I also feel like, he kind of only scored his goals in one way. Yeah, and, agreed. You know, if if, if a guy to, to me, if a guy only scores doesn't only score, but I mean, if he scores a, a, a lot of his goals on the power play, I, I kind of wonder a little bit about him. You know, like yeah. yeah, defensively skilled, but where do your five on five points come from? I guess maybe that's something we'd have to take a look at. What percentage of his goals are power play goals? You know, and well, I, I can I can it. sort of give you that answer in a moment. Um, it's actually, it's less than half. <coughs> okay. Less than it's half. 140, it's 144 out of 363. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's still a little bit of a power play specialist, but he did score yeah. five. So, uh, so 194 even strength. Oh, sorry. That's, those are assists. Sorry. 219. That makes way more sense. Uh, I was like, that math doesn't add up. 219, even 144 power play. Okay, yeah. So like a, a full third of his goals are coming uh, 
more than a third of his goals are coming on the power play. So I think, I think it kind of goes with like maybe why. Um... Yeah. The only thing I can say in, in, in his defense yeah. in terms of getting in, and it's not much of an argument, I admit, <laughs> but is when you go to the leaderboard and you look at goals per game and say you take the top 10, yeah. there's only one guy aside from Ovechkin, who's active and is obviously going in the Hall of Fame, there's no doubt about it, who is not in the Hall of Fame. And that is weird to me. Yeah. That, like, you'd have someone who scored at a top 10 rate all time. Now, obviously, errors change, and the adjustment for error is something we really should take seriously because we take it seriously all the other times. But it's just weird that, like, you have Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, all the way down, and then not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And actually, if you take the top 15... There are only two guys, aside from Ovechkin, who are not in. The other guy we will eventually get to is Rick Martin. Ah, Rick Martin. Um, was he French? Or confusing him with his line mate. Yeah, Perot um, was French and Rick Martin just sort of became, like people assumed he must have been. Yeah, yeah, because Rene Robert too, right? Rene yeah. Robert. Yeah. Uh, Rene, Jesus Christ, Riley. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway, um, like I, th- this is not like it's not a good argument. It's just I, I just I look at like a leaderboard like that, and I think, wow, the number ten guy isn't in. What the hell is the reason? And there's, a, I think, there are good reasons. You know, you you've articulated one of them right then, and I we've talked about the adjustment for error, and we've talked about how, his, how singular he was in his ability, uh, or one dimensional, whatever you want to call it. But it does still strike me as a weird thing, you know, that there are, that someone could be top ten in goals per game and not be at all. But it might be reasonable, and I really I can't make up my mind uh, my mind about it. But I guess we'll have to get to it at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's move on to someone whose case is a little more definitive, um, and that would be Mark Howe, uh, the son of Gordy Howe, who was inducted. Uh, what year are we talking about? Like. 13, 12, something like that. Yeah, somewhere around. I think, yeah. Wasn't he one of the years where there was only one inductee and it was him? No, no, no. He, same year as, uh, I believe, same year as uh, Max. Um, give me a second. It might have been the year before. Year before. Uh, I went to that. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because you went to the, the Burry one, right? That, yeah. That was, yeah. Um, okay. Hold on. I'm just looking up right now. Uh, same year as Joe Noonan which I should have remembered because we just talked about him. And also uh, Doug Gilmore, who we're going to talk about next episode. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's uh, 2011 is the year after the year where they inducted only one guy. Okay. Um, oh, that means we're getting closer and closer to Dino. I can't wait. <laughs> um, okay. So, Mark Howe. Um, I remember the controversy when he was inducted, and yeah. I I thought it was weird. Sorry. Why? Like I said, I never I never really watched him play, so I, I couldn't like I couldn't understand why there was so much controversy. Yeah, um, I think it's just because he never won a Norris. Um, but the thing is, and then we're going to discuss this. But I think as you as you'll see as we like go through his resume, um, which by the way should point out in my Google Doc, it's yeah. significantly longer than Tim Kerr's like significantly like Tim Kerr's is a little bit over a page well page and a half page and a third Mark House is two pages oh yeah well I guess it's in the different leagues too eh 
yes, there's 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 a lot there's a lot to mark out. Um, so he played longer in the NHL than Tim Kerr did. He played 16 seasons, 13 of which we would dub quality by uh, defensive point shares. Um, he it, it's worth noting he is uh, the fifth American all time, fifth American defenseman all time in assists, and he is. Uh, 12th all-time in plus-minus, and the first American all-time in plus-minus in NHL history. American-born, uh, he's dual, but uh, he would be dual by virtue of his father. Um, he was drafted, so we, we have a draft to talk about. We have a draft to talk about. This is exciting. Uh, I should pull that draft up, in fact, because I don't have it in front of me. Um, in 1974, he was drafted despite having already played in the WHA. Ooh. I don't know what they were thinking of. I guess they were sort of hoping that the lure of the NHL would like convince him to come to the NHL, even though he was already playing with his father in the WHA. So you're like, wait a minute. The guy's just going to like leave. He's 18 or 19 or something, and he's going to be like, screw you, Dad. I'm going to go play in the NHL. Well, maybe the real info that like the league wasn't doing as well as everybody was pretending and they were going to fold in a few years. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, anyway, so he was drafted in the 1974 draft, which uh, is you know, it's it's um, it's got its players, for sure. Uh, Brian Trotre being the the best one. Um, drafted 22nd overall, funnily enough. Trotre. Uh, so, uh, oof, like in terms of who was the number, who was one of, who's first overall, Greg Jolie, yep. 365 games played. Ouch. Um, yeah, this was not a good draft in terms of like guessing who was going to be good, but it yeah. was a decent draft. Um, Mark Howe went 25th. Despite, like I said, having already played pro hockey in the competing league, um, yeah. in terms of games played, there's only three thousand games player uh, Trottier uh, Harold Snets. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. And and Bob Murray. Um, in terms of points, only one guy to uh, pass a thousand. But it's worth noting you have a couple people who were injured who were very good, like Pierre Larouche, who we will eventually talk about. Um, he only played 812 games, but he was at times a dominant offensive player um, for some really bad teams and also for the Habs at one point. And uh, uh, Wilf uh, Pema, who was, uh, or I don't know, am I butchering that? No, I think that's correct. Um, who uh, was on the Leafs for a little while. Um, who was also uh, put up a bunch of points in more games than LaRouche, but like, you know, still didn't play a really long time, but put up a fair amount of points. Um, Clark Gillies was in this draft. Um, that's a guy who I can't wait to talk about. Yeah. A lot of people have a problem with that one. Mm -hmm. Danny Gare, Mario Tremblay, Ron Greshner, Bob Bourne, Bob Bourne, who won the Conn Smythe somehow one year. Um, oh, no, sorry. I'm wrong about that. Why did I think he won the Conn Smythe? What did Who am he... I confusing with? Uh, the Masterton. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same thing, Riley. Uh, somebody, one year, an Islander won it, and it was a weird one. 
and I thought it was Bourne, but apparently not. You know what? He probably led the he probably led the playoffs in points one year, had a fluke year. Anyway, uh Gish Winard, Mike Rogers, Tiger Williams. Oh, Tiger Williams, yeah. Terry Ruskowski, uh Dave Maloney, um a bunch of guys. Um, you know, not like a not a ton of Hall of Famers, literally three. But uh it well, I don't I haven't looked at the goalies yet. Actually, I should look at the goalies. Mike Palmatier, Reggie Lemelin, uh, Mario Lassard are the goalies. Reggie Lemelin is pretty good. It's hard when you look at goalies who played in the 80s and you look at their save percentage because you yeah. it's so awful. And you're like, really? He was good? He's an 884. But like, oh, wait, it was the 80s. That was probably pretty decent. Yeah, like nobody was above 900. It was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 346 GAA. You're like, oh, it's not bad. And everybody who complains about the goalies of that era, I dare them to go put on some of that goalie equipment and go try to play in it. Because <laughs> it is it is not anywhere close to how good the equipment became by the late yeah. 80s. It's such a difference. It's crazy. But the, the gloves were smaller. The blockers were smaller. Yeah. Offered little protection, but they were super heavy, so it was really hard to move. <laughs> um, it was just, yeah, it's like those poor guys, they were just you know, getting peppered with pucks. And the thing is like, you know, yes, the puck comes in harder now with the hybrid sticks, but some guys could really shoot the puck back then. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're having a puck whistle that yet 90 miles an hour, maybe even a hundred. And you're wearing like, you know, your grandma's old couch cushions taped to your legs. Like it's just, you have basically no protection. It's more. Yeah. So when you look at the averages and, and the goaltending styles hadn't evolved yet. Right. There weren't like, the butterfly yeah. style wasn't really popularized yet, so it's like stand up, yeah. Yeah, well, you had to because you get hurt if you went down every shot. You get yeah. them all face. Yeah. Yes, you're wearing a helmet at that point, but still, you're getting pucks in the head all the time. It's no good. Yeah. So um, the best, I mean, basically, uh, I think the consensus best player in this draft would be Trotty. Um, I think there are some people who might. I'm not going to make this argument. Some people might argue it's Mark Howe, but I think it's probably Charte. But aside from that, um, you know, it was a decent draft. It wasn't the best ever, but it was decent. It produced three Hall of Famers and a bunch of other guys. Um, and, of course, Mark Howe was already playing pro and, and didn't and didn't come to the uh, the NHL until the WHA folded, which we will get into later. Um, yeah. And uh, I believe uh, his rights... It, it's very complicated with what happened with his rights later because he was drafted by Boston, uh, but he never played for Boston. Um, and something happened where in Hartford was later able to, he played for Hartford in the WHA. Yeah. And he was able to, um, like he was able to get back to Hartford, even though his NHL rights were, so in the in the like in the draft in the draft that brought in the WHA teams, he, his rights were transferred back to Harvard, uh, Harvard. So he was able to play for Harvard. Yeah. Um, but we will get into that later. Or, so like what happened? Main... Sorry. A little bit like what happened with Gretzky. Yeah. Like players in the WHA were supposed to go into that draft, and then. They, I think the Oilers forfeited their pick in the draft so they could keep Gretzky. And it's like, well, no brainer there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, despite missing the first third of 
his career because he was in the WHA or, or quarter. Uh, Howe is still somehow 12th in goals in that draft, second in assists, and fourth in points, and second in plus minus, which gives you some idea. It was maybe a little top heavy in terms of the best player. Um, it's kind of incredible. You know, he, he didn't play, he didn't join the NHL until 1979. And yet he is, uh, he is fourth in points, second is second and plus minus. So, you know, he had a pretty good career, even though he missed a chunk there. Yeah. Um, era wise, he was a top 10 defense, uh, offensive defenseman for his era, even yeah. though he wasn't necessarily like, he wasn't like, Potvin or Phil Housley or Paul, especially Paul Coffey. Um, you know, he was, uh, he's seventh in offensive point shares for his, his era. He's, you know, eighth in points, um, sixth in goals per game. Um, you know, he, he was one of the top 10 offensive player, uh, offensive defensemen from 1979 to 1995. That is not why he is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame because he was considered an all-round, you know, um, an all-round defenseman, um, but good offensively and good defensively, but yeah. he was good offensively. Like, he wasn't elite. Like, he wasn't Paul Coffey, but he was also not Paul Coffey defensively. So, um, His 82-game average is 66 points, which is quite high for a defenseman, but it was the 80s. Uh-huh. And his 82-game average for his best years is 73 points, and here's the thing. This is this is insane. And when I wrote it down, I had to like double check it. <laughs> his 82 game average for his three year peak of 1984 to 87, 73 points plus 73. Wow, that is not a typo. Man, he literally added points <laughs> to his team. Like he just like like obviously people scored goals when he was on the ice. Yeah, but. The combination of the few goals they scored plus the amount of goals his team scored while he was on the ice means that, like, basically, I've never seen another player like that. Maybe Bobby or or something like that, but like, or Gretzky probably. If I calculated Gretzky's feet, probably like it would be like that. But like, plus seventy-three. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it's almost it's almost a point per game. Of just more like, than the other team. Yeah. Which is like unheard of. It's unheard of. It is so unbelievably elite. Now that's not all him. We know it's a you know qualifier plus minus is a team stat. Yeah. The the 1980s Flyers were plus minus maniacs. Yeah. But Mark Howe was a big part of that. We don't have ice time, but I think it's safe to assume he was playing 26, 25, 26 minutes a game. You would have to think. And uh, you know, Joe with, Howe. With Brad McCurman. Another great player, yeah. But that number, when I when I wrote that down, <laughs> I was just like, what? Hey. And then I went and I did the math again. I was like, yep, that's correct. <laughs> what the fuck? Man, that's incredible. Yeah, so, it just goes to show what a, um, like, nobody ends up being plus 73 by just yeah. on a good team and you happen to be on the ice all the time. Like, you're a part of that success in a big, big way. Yeah, whether you're a defensive specialist or you're getting a lot of the points, you have to be contributing to that because that just means the other team's not scoring when you're on, and you are scoring. Yeah, when they're that's on. exactly what it means. Yeah, game. I mean, that's crazy. 
And so I should just mention his overall 82-game average for his entire career is plus 35, which is still absolutely nothing to sneeze at. Very good. But it, but plus 73 for those three years. It's just... The other thing I want to mention is, you know, we've talked about point shares a lot on the show, and point shares is flawed metric. We understand that. But his point shares at his three-year peak, 13.1, which is, I should point out, that's Lidstrom territory. Wow. So it's just so when the people freaked out, like I didn't, I didn't have this information in front yeah. of me when he got inducted. But when people freaked out when he inducted, this is what they didn't get. Yeah, he was at least by these metrics, the best defenseman in the league. Yeah, for a three-year period, if not longer. Yeah. Um, now, especially you know, that are how all around he was, and a lot of people are just, you know, they're like, well, yeah, but coffee, coffee was getting like almost double his points, but like. Yeah, but was Coffee plus seventy-three? Like he might have been because the Oilers just no. It was like there was one year at least where he was minus. I think yeah, or close to not it. A very good defense. He's basically another forward playing defense. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Even though I mean he was amazing at that. Don't get me wrong. And yeah. I think he does belong in the Hall of Fame. But as as like in terms of like when I think of somebody as like a Norris worthy defenseman, I I would sooner pick a guy like Howe than I would Coffee just because. The offensive stats don't blow me away. It's like you're the guy who gets the green light to just jump into the rush all the time, and you're amazing at that. But when the game's on the line, you're not going to be out on the ice defending a lead. You just can't. So yeah, yeah. And there's there's at least at least one of Coffee's Norris's is highly suspect because he yeah. was still like, as people pointed out, he was he's one of those players who like he might have deserved the Norris he got later in his career when he was maybe a little more well-rounded, but some the ones, you know, he won when he was just, like you said, basically like the fourth forward, yeah. you know? The, the, the uh, thing is, make the argument there that like, you know, yeah, he wasn't very good defensively, but he provided so much offense. That yeah. He was really good defensively. And you're like, yeah, I, I can see that. Like I can see yeah. what, but you know, I, I prefer a more well-rounded player if I'm going to give them. Uh, yeah. But that's just. I'm, no, no, I am. I'm, I'm more with that completely. Um, he had a decent playoff stats, uh, 61 points in 101 games, plus 42, which is 25th all time. Um, nice. I'm actually amazed it's not higher. Um, yep. And uh, like Tim Kerr, his, uh, his, Numbers are affected by adjustment for error, but they only drop 12 points, not 16 points, from 66 to 54. But he's a defenseman, so it's less of a concern. We have a trade. <laughs> Yay. So so basically, so this is what happened. So how was uh, on the, the uh, Houston Arrows, and um, because the WHA was a different league than the NHL, he became a free agent very early into his WHA career, mm-hmm. four years, and he signed with the uh, the Whalers, and then of course the WHA folded, and the uh, somehow um, I didn't look up um, pro sports transactions. I didn't look up if anything was exchanged in this, but as you as you sort of said with Gretzky, would it probably there was a probably a pick involved or something? Yeah, uh, Boston claimed. Um, how because his rights, but somehow Hartford was able to get the rights back on the same day. So I don't know if something may have happened there. I actually I should have looked up um, on Pro Sports. Maybe I'll try to do it while I'm talking. Um, and then uh, so he he was a whaler 
for the beginning of his NHL career. He played, I believe, three seasons for the Whalers. Oh, no, just one. Sorry. He played three seasons total for the Whalers, two in the WHA, and then, um, no, that's the playoffs. Five total. Two WHA, uh, three NHL. And then he got traded to the Flyers. Um, and that trade is the one we were going to talk about. And it is for... So how was... How was actually... By the time he got into the NHL, he was already like 24 or something. Um, so he's 27 when the trade happened. And he was traded with a third-round pick, which became somebody named Derek Smith for Ken Lindsman, who was younger than him at the time. Uh, Greg Adams, but not the Greg Adams everyone was thinking of. This is a different, earlier, less good Greg Adams. A first-round pick, someone named David Jensen, and a third-round pick who never played in the NHL. So, as much as Ken Lindsman was a good player, yeah, that feels like a loss for the Whalers to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, why did you make that move? Um, yeah. how, Ken Lindsman was uh, was how old when he was traded? Before he was still quite young. Yeah, I mean, Ken Lindsman had a had a solid career, but it you know wasn't a Hall of Fame career, so. Um, I would say that was a, probably a miss on their part. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. Um, oh, sorry, I was just trying to see if I could figure out uh, whether he was uh, okay. So, um, it just says that he was claimed as a priority selection by the okay. Whalers. I don't know what that means, but they Obviously. don't. Hear- Appear, they don't appear to have given up a pick. Okay. Well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was because like the the Oilers had already sort of done it, and they're like, "Well, if they get to do it, we should get to keep a guy." And they're just like, "Well, yeah, but like it's not going to be as good as Gretzky. We couldn't have to give up a pick. Like maybe they're able to just the NHL sort of just flew by the seat of its pants back then. They could probably just talk their way into it if they wanted to. Yeah, um, probably. Um. So we have his WHA numbers to talk about too, and so there, so there, we're going to get into some confusion here, especially when we get to uh, um, the WHA teams he was a part of, because according to one source I read, he became a defenseman only a few years into his WHA career. Hmm. But if you look at his stats, he's regularly, weirdly, like for example, Hockey Reference will list him as a forward during the regular season and a defenseman in the playoffs for the WHA. <laughs> it's really confusing. And also lists him in his draft as a defenseman, which he wasn't. He was a, he was a left wing. Um, yeah. At least for, you can tell by his numbers, he was a left wing. He was scoring uh, 40 goals a year. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a defenseman. Anyway. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they sort of, um, I, I wouldn't know this without uh, having talked to probably my parents who probably watched the WHA at some point. But uh, maybe they sort of brought him in as a left winger, but realized he was good enough to play defense at times and sort of did like a Sergei Fedorov thing with him. Like, yeah. oh, our defenseman are hurt. Throw that guy back there. He can do it. And he can do yeah, it. yeah. I, I, think, I think that's probably how it started. Yeah. Um, he definitely transitioned. He had already started to play defense before the NHL absorbed the WHA. But then when he was in the NHL, he was a defenseman full time. So that's all we know. Um, his goal numbers in the regular season of the uh, of the WHA are just way too high to believe he was a defenseman, except for the middle season. Yeah. His playoff numbers, some of those years he could have been a defenseman because his assists are way higher, but it's really hard to know. 
Yeah. I mean, the story I read, it was like 75 or 76 or something where he switched over, but the, the numbers don't make sense. Anyway, so we, we haven't talked about a lot of WHA guys uh, yet. Um, I think you and I are probably both on the same page in the sense of if a guy just excelled in the WHA, well, maybe you're not, but if the guy just excelled in the WHA, it's really hard to make any kind of case for him. Yeah, I agree with that because the competition's lesser. And I was actually thinking when you were saying that, you know, he was definitely a forward, he might have been playing a lot of defense and just had a ton of points because the WHA was not nearly as good as the NHL. It's like dominant there. But just to like, so say, for example, you've listened to us talk about him so far and you like, you don't care about the plus 73 and you're just not into, and, and you're not into like, the Norris voting that we're going to get into, and you're just not, you don't think he belongs. He is 10th all-time in goals in the WHA, 10th all-time in assists, and 8th all-time in points. And then you're adding that to his NHL. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I I don't know about you. I had no idea. No, I I had no idea it was that massive a player. I mean, like... Yeah, I I did not. I was, I, I thought he was like a a third, a first line forward, maybe. Yeah. Who played with his dad? I didn't realize he was top eight in points, um, plus one hundred and fifty four as well, because you know it's Mark Howe. Yeah. Um, his eighty two game average in the WHA was ninety seven points. Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> but it's the WHA, as you said. And his, his three year peak in the WHA is one hundred and ten points per eighty two games. So he was he was good. Yeah, ninety-two points in seventy-five playoff games. We will get to his numerous WHA playoff successes in a few minutes. All right, <laughs> there's still a lot more um, accomplishments. So his accomplishments. Um, he uh, he was top five in heart voting in the NHL twice, which is something that people don't remember. I certainly didn't. Um, only top five. Like he wasn't higher than fifth, but. Still. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, he was third one year. Sorry. My mistake. He was third in eighty-six, which is weird because that's not his quite best. Or maybe that was his best year. So he's third behind Gretzky and Lemieux. Man. One year. Um and he was fifth or sorry, he was he was top five in Norris voting five times, four times, sorry. Um, and he was uh top two three of those times. Man. So when when they inducted him, I believe one of the things they were thinking of was like this guy should have won one of those three. You yeah. know, like like he's like he's like the rich man Zubov in a way. You yeah. know, like he got. I mean, like I saw Zubov, I didn't see Mark Howe, but like this is a guy who got acknowledgement, but never quite enough. Right, like so he lost to Langway, which is really super debatable that Langway beat him out, but anyway. Um, he lost to uh, uh, Coffee. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I gotta look up that year of Coffee. So Coffee had 138 points that year. He won the Norris. <laughs> that was the that was the crazy year where he um, he he broke Bobby Orr's goal record and uh, almost broke the points record. Um, what year was that? 138. Yeah, okay. And then uh and then he lost to I believe was it Bork? Yeah, he lost to Ray Bork the other year. Okay, so yeah. So, you know, he 
at least two of those, I don't think. I mean, the Bray Bork one is probably fine. Uh, the Paul Coffey one, who knows? Um, the Rod Lang Langway one. There's probably a huge, uh, a huge like. It depends on your your idea of what a defenseman should do. Yeah. But just to point out, Rod Langway was minus two. Mark Howe was plus forty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Um, like like when we went over that Langway episode too, it was like he was the Washington Capitals all those years. Mm -hmm. like, bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think I think the reason Mark Howe was inducted is like the guys on the committee remember those three second place Norris finishes. Yeah. And are like, we really should like we you know, and they were obviously they watched him too. It's not just that, but like they're like you know, this is a guy who who was considered one of the best defensemen in the league for a long time, but just didn't didn't like didn't get a trophy. Even though he was considered, you know, yeah, I mean, three top, three second place finishes for a Norris without winning. I'm not sure anyone else has ever done that. I mean, maybe probably somebody, but maybe I just haven't seen oh, it. Brad Park must have done it when Bobby Orr. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Brad Park totally. You're <laughs> absolutely right. Brad Park totally. Yeah. Anyway, he was a uh, he was uh, hockey references point shares paying him as uh, top five player overall. Um, once and and top ten three times, and the best defensive player in 1987, and a top four player in all the years he was top five in Norris voting. So the Norris voting corresponds, and he was you know reasonably good offensively. He scored 20 goals twice, which is a thing that happened in the 80s for defensemen. Um, he scored a lot more in the in the WHA as you might expect, and he won the uh, and he won the. Rookie of the the WHA Rookie of the Year in 1974. Um, he scored 40 goals once and 35 goals four times, and he had 60 assists twice, and he scored 100 points once. Um, he weirdly, for a guy who played as long as he did, he never played a full season in the WHA. He actually never played a full season ever. Wow, which is weird because he played for. Uh, Forever, right? He played twenty-one years, and yet never played a full season. Super. Weird. All right. Uh, so, last thing are the great, the good teams he played on. Um, he was the best defenseman on the eighty-five Flyers, who lost to the Oilers, as we talked about. Um, he was. On the 87 Flyers, if you go by points, he was the second best defenseman. But if you go by plus minus, he was the best defenseman. So mm -hmm. without ice time, I mean, I got to assume he was playing more than the other guy. Yeah. I'm not even sure I know who the other guy is. I should look that up. Um, it's going to be somebody funny. I think it's safe to assume that Mark Howe was playing more than the other guy. Probably. Who scored him. Um, because, you know... <laughs> Let me just see here. Uh, Doug Crossman. Wow. I do not recognize that name. So Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's highly unlikely that Doug Crossman was playing more that year, but it could be true. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then in the WHA, he was the best player on the 1975 Houston Arrows who won the championship. He was the best player 
or second best player because he tied for the lead in points on the 76 errors who arrows who almost won the championship he was a top three forward on the 74 arrows who won the championship he was a top three forward on the 78 whalers who almost won the championship he was a top three forward on the 77 arrows who were only in the semifinals um he might have been a defenseman on both 77 and 78 i have no idea Either if he was the defenseman, he definitely was the best defenseman by points because he was he had top three forward numbers in terms of points. Um, yeah, Wikipedia says he's D. Hockey Reference says he's forward or D, depending on the year. Um, he was a uh, role player on the uh, 1972 U.S. Olympic team because he was still amateur back then, oh. and they they won a silver medal. Um, he was the best defenseman on the U.S. team that uh, that didn't quite get to the finals of the 84, or sorry, the 81 Canada Cup. And weirdly, he was a top six forward on the WHA Summit Series Canadian team because he had dual citizenship. So um, that was the team that did less well, the WHA one. Yes, well, you yeah. know. Because <laughs> As we had established in 72, the Russians could really give us a run for our money. Yeah. Without the WHA All-Stars, like, those guys are, like, you know, maybe the top five to ten guys are probably, like, could squeak yeah. onto the, the, like, the real team. But, like, the rest of the guys shouldn't be anywhere near the national team. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know about you, but <laughs> I don't think there's – this is a no-brainer to me. I think he's a lock, yeah. He was one of the best defensemen of his era, and prior to that, he was one of the best forwards in the history of another league. Yeah, and he just he just seems to be able to have, you know, done it all. He's got points. He's got Norris votes. He's got, even though he never won the trophy, he was very close, and the guys who beat him were, you know, are all in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, well, he's got, you know, crazy plus-minus stats showing that he played for an elite team and that he was a massive part of that. Uh, he's got great playoff stats. Like, I, I don't know what more you want to say. The guy was a true number one defenseman. Yeah. Seemed to have done it pretty much his entire career, no matter where he was. I don't yeah. know. And a lot of his younger years, when he may have been more dynamic, were in the WHA. So we don't know how well he would have done in the NHL, but you'd have to assume he would have been really good because he never seemed to not be good, basically. The one thing, the one like counterfactual thing I find interesting is what if he had gone to the w to the nhl and never become a defenseman yeah that's very interesting yeah Yeah. i think i think you at least would have been having a conversation about him because he seemed to put up quite a few points you know yeah yeah and there were there were a few and uh, as we will get to eventually there were a few wha forwards who were able to keep up their offense when they switched leagues yeah like uh cluche um and uh, I don't, uh, Mark Tardiff, I think, and a couple guys, like though they didn't play that long, um, were able to. Whereas, like some, some other guys, like Hedberg, were, were not. But um, anyway, I, I mean, to me, I just look at this resume, and it's, first of all, it's just really long. Yes, it's padded. He he seems to have excelled everywhere he was put. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, and. Um, and yeah, and, and fortunately for him, the Whalers traded him to the Flyers. <laughs> yes, very fortunately, I would say. Um, yeah. Though maybe the Whalers would have been a little bit better had they not, but who yeah. knows. 
Well, I mean, if and and if you think about it, if he had played, um, if he had played forward and he hadn't played in the WHA and gone straight to the NHL, then maybe, uh, you know, the the Hulls would be unseated by the Howes as the greatest uh, goal scoring father son duo. Yeah, because yeah. the Hulls had six hundred goals, but Gordy had you know eight hundred one. Yes. You know, if you add that, then Mark Howe played forward instead. They'd be up in the 1,200, 1,300 range too, maybe. So. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's interesting. It totally, yeah, it would have been a very different career for sure. Because, I mean, I don't know which, who, what coach first said you should be a defenseman. But it was, as far as I know, it was a WHA coach. Yeah. Not like, oh, my God half these guys can't skate, you know, like we're not going to win unless we have our best player on the ice all the time. How can I get more Mark Howe? Hey, yeah. if on defense too. And then he goes back there. You're like, Oh my God, you're immediately our best defense. And please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you would have to assume, or maybe, maybe he had dabbled his whole life and played more of a, I didn't see enough of his career, right? Like I barely saw him play or I don't yeah. really remember seeing him play. Um, so like, maybe he was sort of played like more like a Rover back in those days. And they're like, we might as well put you back on defense. Cause you actually seem to be able to get back. Cause you're a yeah. good. You know? so. yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, it's uh, something that like, at least what I read wasn't entirely clear. It just sort of said like, by this point he'd switched to defense and you're just like, okay, that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. By what point? You know, well, how did this happen? I would like to know. Anyway, yeah, for me, he's old an person, Riley, we need an old person. Let's get an old guest on here. Yeah, we do need an old person. Um, yeah, because I was not born when he switched to defense. Uh, and, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, lastly, uh, we have Mickey McKay, whose one and only connection to these players is to have played in the same state as they did many years earlier when he played 12 games for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, so Mickey, Mickey McKay, uh, was only in the NHL for four seasons at the tail end of his career, uh, because he also played in the PAs, PCHA and the WCHL first, um, in his NHL career, uh, he was, you know, a whole bunch of guys, the league was sort of flooded by these old WCHL cast offs, right? When yeah. that league folded they came in the NHL and um, McKay was uh, one of the better ones in his 30s um, in the last like four years of the 1920s he was third in goals of players in the 30s um, fourth in points so he was you know a top five player um, of uh, of players in the 30s but like, I feel like you have to do that because like it's not fair yeah because he he didn't know that WCHL was going to fold. Um, uh, his 82 game average is not impressive. It's 35 points in 82 games, but that was by that point, the NHL scoring had really decreased in the late twenties compared to uh, what it was in the first few years of the league. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't play. I mean, his playoff numbers are bad, but he was uh, old. And uh, I don't think he was playing a lot because, you know, when he was on, like, uh, Boston, for example, um, who would have been the, the team where he was getting those uh, playoff reps. I mean, he was in his mid-30s. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's 
I assume he was more of a role player at this point. Yeah. Um, however, oh, and uh, he, we do have some trades. Uh, he was traded into the NHL for money, which was a very common thing when the league folded. Um, he was traded within the NHL for money as well. And uh, we talked about Frank Fredrickson, I believe. So uh, he was traded with money for Frank Fredrickson at one point, but Frank Fredrickson was also super old at that point. So it's weird that that was, I think he was older, which is weird that you would do that. Um, like, why would you trade? <laughs> he might've been slightly younger. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I think I'm confusing Frank Fredrickson with Frank Foyston. Which is oh yeah, that's understandable. Okay. Yeah, so we haven't talked about Frank yet. We talked about voice. Anyway, um, however, uh, despite that, oh my dog's back. Uh, despite that uh, poor uh, NHL showing, um, Mickey McKay was one of the best players in PCHA history. So he's fourth all time in goals, second all time in assists, and third all time in points. And. Uh, Probably eighth all time in goals per game, fifth all time in assists per game, points per game, and 38 points in a uh, 30 game season. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. And it, it, that was a fairly significant league at that time because they, yeah. were, they were paying a lot of the good players to go out there and yeah. play play for Seattle or for, especially for the Vancouver Millionaires. Like they, they had a lot of good players out there, even yeah. though normally you would say, it's not the NHL or it's not the best East Coast league, therefore it's not as good. But they always cha- they always would challenge for the cup and yeah. a fairly significant league. So anybody who's looking at that and sort of poo-pooing it as being an inferior league, it's not like what we're just talking about with the WHA and the NHL. This is like I would say an equivalent league at the time. Well and and and, and Millionaires was the team that McKay was on. There you go. So and and as we will get to, they won a cup. So with him on it, um, you know, he was, he was a good player. Um, and then he was also, so the, so that league folded and then he went to the WCHL and there he was, you know, he was only there for two years, but despite that, he is possibly 15th all time in, in goals, 22nd all time in assists and 21st all time in points, despite playing only two years. He had very good seasons. Um, he scored 27 points in a 30 game season. So he was good. Uh, he was a top 10 player in terms of goals per game or assists uh, once in the NHL. But in the PCHA, he led the PCHA in goals twice. He led in goals per game twice. He led the ass- assists once. He led an assist per game once. He led it. He was top five in points five times out of nine seasons and top five in points per game, three seasons out of nine seasons. So he was one of their stars. Yeah, yeah, he's a star player in that league for sure. And then when he was in the WCHL, he led the league in goals once. And uh, he had one year where he was basically one of the best players in the WCHL as well. So finally, his best teams, he he won the Stanley Cup with the uh, 1929 Boston Bruins, but he was a role player. I don't think he even scored. Which whatever he was old, yeah. Um, but he also uh, won a Stanley Cup with the Vancouver Millionaires in 1915, 
when he was one of the best players on the team, and he was the best player on the Stanley Cup runner-up 1918 Millionaires. Um, I believe he had he was not on them the year that they beat. Oh, because he was he must have been traded to the Maroons. Um, yeah, because he wasn't on the Millionaires the year they won uh, in the twenties. So something happened that he wasn't. Um, was that oh, he, he he left as a he changed teams as a free agent. It looks like because there, there were two Vancouver teams. So um, in that league, the Maroons and the Millionaires. I don't know why there were two Vancouver teams. Anyway, there were a lot of people like hockey. They were very successful. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I mean, to me, he seems like he belongs. Absolutely, yeah. If you just looked at his NHL stats, you're like, uh, yeah, this guy was like a journeyman. And then you look at how great he was before that, you're like, oh, he just played like the bulk of his career in these two other leagues, which while they were not the NHL, were probably very, very close in terms of quality, especially when you consider he played for the Vancouver Millionaires and they challenged for the cup almost every year for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any reason not. He was like the leading goal scorer in the league. How do you want, you know, a top point getter or um, – you know, top three forward or best player on some Stanley Cup runner-ups and, uh, you know, Stanley Cup winner. I mean, the guy's got it. Right? Yeah, I, I may have missed one, actually. I think, sorry, he was also a, there was another runner-up that I missed, the 21 millionaires as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy's got, he's, he's got the goods, you know what I mean? He should be yeah. in. He was yeah. clearly one of the better players in hockey for a good decade. And, you know, if I think if you lead the league multiple times in goals, you, you're probably pretty good. And especially when you know that the quality of the league is quite high, you know. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, like as we've talked about a number of times, he, you know, these players didn't know which of these leagues was going to turn into the hockey league, you know. Yeah. And- I don't think they really cared. They were like, who's going to pay me the most money? Yeah, and you can't can't blame guys for choosing the PCHA over the NHA. Um, They didn't know. And, uh, you know, and and his decision to go to the WCHL instead of the the NHL when the PCHA folded, I mean, it was was out west, right? That's where he lived. So that makes sense to me, too. Or sorry, it merged. I'm sorry. My mistake. They didn't fold. They merged. So it makes perfect sense why he stayed in in that league. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I mean, to me, he uh, he was a uh, one of the best players in PCHA history, yeah. and I think given that he was then able to go in the WCHL and still be a great player, um, and then a decent player, you know, his first his first season, you know, he had two pretty good seasons in the NHL when he first joined, and it's only his last few that weren't very good, and you know. And that was at the very tail end of his career. Like, to me, it's just, it, it seems like he's he he's obvious. Like it makes sense that he's in, and uh, yeah, I, I have no objection to the fact that he's in. Yeah, I agree. All right, um, so we'll just go over our players again. Tim Kerr, where do you stand? Uh, I'm gonna say no, but just barely no. And I would entertain the notion if somebody who saw his entire career was able to show me some videos and really explain why he really belongs. I, I'd be willing to listen and possibly my vote, but uh, I'm going to say just barely, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm basically 
with you, I'm, you know, I'd say no. And I'd entertain, you know, my heart would entertain. Yes. For some, <laughs> even though I didn't see him play, uh, but just something about the like top 10 and goal three. Um, but yeah, I think no. Mark Howe. Mark Howe, definitely. Yeah, me too. I think there's just no question. Amazing. Leagues. A dump, like a, a top line player, pretty much his entire career. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Mickey McKay. Mickey McKay, same thing. Great player in you know every league until he was too old and uh, <laughs> basically had a role player's role. Um, you know, if you're if you're leading a, a, a good league in goals multiple years, you got to be in as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, that's all for us this episode. Next episode, we're going to be talking about Doug Gilmore and Doug Waite, the Dugs. The Dugs. Uh, and then I'll see if I can find an old-timer Doug. Or... <laughs> That'd be great. Or somebody to fit in with them. Um, so we hope you will. You, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope you will tune in next time. So we will see you then. Take care.